All right. And we're recording for the first time, January 3, 2023. Everyone's assembled. There's uh, Dan Duran, uh, Fred Duran, and Howard Duran. We're all here. Original sounds. Oh, yeah. Everything is, uh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Went through the checklist. Yeah. Freddie, do you have anything to say before we start this program? No, I'm just sitting back listening. I'm fascinated by the whole thing. <laughs> Maria. Here we right. are, 2023. Well, Here we are, 2023, embarking on yet another year. Well, if you, if you thought that was fascinating, wait till you hear this. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Trendy, Toronto, from our Brampton Basement Studio and the Lisa Living Room Studio in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and by GoDaddy. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your or small business. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. And now, here are two men who stepped into the new year with high hopes and a positive attitude and soon realized that it wasn't enough. It's Humble and Fred. Everyone, Happy New Year. How long uh, does that go on for? Today's Tuesday. Will you uh, still be saying Happy New Year by the weekend? Maybe, yeah, yep. Why not? If you know, it's someone you really like, and you're uh, and you mean it. it. Comes from the heart. It's sincere. You want to express it? Why not? Is there, you know, what, what's your humble Howard time frame on that before annoyance? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you know, look how you took that? that. I just ask an innocent. I ask an. In- I'm just asking. <laughs> I just ask an innocent question, and you turn it back on me with your vile. Maybe maybe it was the inflection. How long is that? Go <laughs> how long? Maybe does this have to go maybe on? it was that. Um, what is my humble timeline? I don't know. I uh, I, I correspond with a lot of sponsors, potential sponsors, and uh, right. I just wrote this morning to somebody I have a meeting with today. You know, Happy New Year, looking forward to uh, our get-together. And I thought, I wonder how many more days will I include that in my correspondence. I don't really have a personal timeline. It's more professional. You know what I would say, Howard? This might be a good rule of thumb. You know, the kids are off. A lot of people are off on holidays until next Monday. So maybe just give it this week and then shut her down. All right. Um, you know. Are they really? Why aren't they uh, back this week? Because they always get two weeks. Really? And Christmas was on a Sunday, so they they were at school, I think, till the Thursday or Friday, so then they got to get their two weeks in. Okay. Come on, Howard. Well, I didn't know. I, I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. I just, when, when my kids went to school, um, they went to a uh, French school, private French school. Yes, it was private. Sorry. And they always got way more holidays than the public school system. So I just, I didn't realize all kids. How about you, Dan Duran? Happy New Year to you. Thank and you uh, to you and yours from the management and staff of Humble and Fred Radio. Is it right. humbleandfred.com? Was, that, was, was mm-hmm. that sincere enough? Was that sincere? Do you think that was sure? Just, yeah. 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 I don't know. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you start to, saying it again around Chinese New Year, or do you just keep going? What about Greek Orthodox Christmas? When's that, <laughs> fa- when's that facade you know, coming in? Everybody's got a different calendar. Yeah. All made up yeah. nonsense. 
But uh, you, how long are you going to keep that tree up for? Uh, the tree, some people think, you You know, I know some guy who keeps this tree up till, uh, till Valentine's Day or the week before Valentine's <laughs> really? Day. Oh, that's <laughs> ridiculous. I know, but he likes the tree so much. He just Who's loves he? the tree. Uh, buddy, uh, Ryan, who lives in uh, Mount Pleasant that I know. Oh, jeez. Wow. That just reaks of lazy. There, no, there's, <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 wait. I you just drive, love that. You drive by a... Huh? Hold on. I just love the Patterson timeline just kicked in. Ugh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Howard. Well, listen, if you were saying Happy New Year and Valentine's Day, if it's coming from but, the heart. But you drive down a street, you see a Christmas tree still up in February. You think, what's that lazy yeah. fucker doing? <laughs> that's right. Uh, hey, well, how, long, really? how, like, how long can you leave the uh, the Christmas decorations on for outside? Outside well, decorations? The lights, the lights, yeah. you know, at night. Well, I don't know. We're, we're having a gathering today. This will be the last one of the holiday season for us. It happens to be at my home. So I left the Christmas tree up in the basement over the weekend. Me and my suite uh, de-Christmasized the upstairs. And as of tomorrow morning, I'll light the house tonight. But as of tomorrow morning, I'm yanking everything. Uh, to answer your question, as far as yeah. trees go, though, in the city of Toronto, Dan, I saw the uh, garbage uh, day notice, former Humble and mm-hmm. Fred client, and they said today was uh, garbage organics and Christmas tree pickup. So the city oh. is encouraging this pagan ritual uh, to be uh, done, you know, ASAP, so we can get back to being a non-secular, science-based society. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's stop following some made up nonsense that some people who didn't wear shoes wrote, having never met, never met the savior, baby Jesus. You know, I, uh, I was talking about this, uh, on the weekend. What's that? Dan, I think Dan was an audience. Oh, I can't imagine. Well, the whole, it's, you know, you got to watch your hypocrisy. Well, number one, I'm going to say this whole thing, you know, and we've talked about it before, this attack on Christmas is bullshit. Here, I, I again, I live in Brampton, and I don't know what faction a lot of these Indian people are, but they are the, they are usually the first and only ones to say Merry Christmas to you in stores and stuff. They just are. And I don't know if they celebrate or they don't. They just all seem happy that it's some season that people are enjoying, so Merry Christmas, number one. Number two, this whole Christmas tree thing. Why do? Why would I care if it's called a Christmas tree or a holiday tree when I really don't believe the whole story of Christmas to begin with? You know what I mean? Mm. So I don't spend a lot of time on that. You want to call it a holiday tree? I don't give a shit. Well, maybe you can walk me through that. What is the war on Christmas? Well, you know, it's like, oh, you can't say Christmas or Merry Christmas anymore, and you can't call it a Christmas tree and all, all, all that oh, stuff. Oh, okay, so I, that's the war. Okay. Yeah, I, I, come I, on! You're I, aware of the war on the, I know, I just the so-called. To hear, war. I want to hear your explanation because you know I'm at a personal war on made-up bullshit, and uh, oh, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'm sorry, and, and and you know anyone with an even modicum of an investigative uh, mind would would know that the scriptures, you know, weren't written for decades. You know, way after nobody who re- wrote them met Jesus, the baby Jesus fable manger virgin birth that was all borrowed from other religions so i as i've gotten older listen i love right. the season i love carols and urban oh, berlin and all that happens. stuff you know yeah mm-hmm. just but just, I get it just pause that for a second you know that the most mm-hmm. dan did you know that the most sold or the the biggest single of all time is white christmas did you know that dan 
I didn't know that that was the biggest. 50, I knew it was one of the biggest. It's, it's not a Beatles song. It's not any uh, pop tune. 50 million copies of that song have been sold. Written by Irving Berlin. But that aside, I just, you know, I mean, I don't care if you call it Merry Christmas. That doesn't bother me. People, about 10 years ago, I've said that, that people started to edit themselves. They'd say, hey, Howard, Merry Christmas. And they'd go, oh, sorry, I forgot you don't celebrate it. I'm like, well, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, that's the thing. Again, I just think of the hypocrisy. I mean, you know, my whole life I've celebrated Christmas, but not in the (laughs) spiritual way at all. And, yeah, you know, that, do I really care whether... We call it a Christmas tree or not. We celebrate Christmas in this house, and next door they may celebrate Kwanzaa. Like, but are you not a, hypo- a, a hypocrite? Because Christmas is Christ's right. mass. Yeah, that's and, I, and I, I, I have no defense to that. Yeah, and uh, Dan, what do you say about this? I know you're like, oh, come on, it's been much well, tradition. Let's get some uh, facts. But out you're here, a science right, guy. Sure. What, what are the yeah, facts? But first of all, White Christmas is not a, is not a religious song in any way whatsoever. Like, no, I'm no, like, I'm not oh, saying it. Oh, is. Come all ye faithful. Well, that- um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's just dreaming of a White Christmas, right? It could be. It's a holiday song, yeah. but it's not. Uh, I, by the way, I didn't. I, I didn't say Christmas had any of that. I only mentioned that because I read that over the holidays, and of course, the biggest song of all time about Christmas was written by a Hebrew guy. Um, But I'm curious about your approach to the season now as you've gotten older. You mean, listen, if this was Star Trek, you're Mr. Spock. Come on, you're logical, you're pragmatic, you're, you know, all those things and more. Yes. So my my reflection on Christmas, you mean? Like, well, I think it's... uh, for some, it doesn't have as much meaning uh, as it used to when I was a child. I mean, as far as uh, the religious side of things, my, my my opinion has changed. I still think that there's something out there. I just don't think that the organized religion structure really captures it and uh, is in uh, is. There's a lot of hypocrisy surrounding it, and it drives me nuts. It did. It did. Many when I was a lot younger, I had hours like you did with my dad. Had hours of conversations about you love stuff. Cliff. Tried to cor- tried cornering him with all this Bible stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it always came down to faith in the very end. You know, when you got cornered, well, it's a matter of faith. You believe something or you don't around it. So, yeah, I loved your father. And uh, he taught me a lot of things about religion. And he also taught me how to make a martini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even that, you know, and again, each, of course, each to their own. When you say there's something out there, even that bewilders me. Like, there's something out there. Like, what is that? What? A guy who never dies? That guy? Yeah, the guy has this the eternal youth, or you know, he, he never gets Alzheimer's. He never, uh, you know, gets dementia. And again, you know, it's been around for centuries. Think about it: the human beings have been on the planet for a hundred thousand years, and whatever was out there didn't show up till six thousand years ago when people started scribbling in a notebook about, you know, praying to the moon. But I, yeah. as far as the hypocrisy, not that sorry. Not hypocrisy, but as far as the war on Christmas, I I only asked you because I wanted to hear what your definition of that was. But think about it. There's no other religion that gets center stage at this time of the year. It's, you know, Hanukkah is like, 
you know, right. it's not even a, it's not even the biggest Jewish holiday. It's like this guy that I like, Gary Shafir. It's like a 40th. It's not even that important in the Jewish calendar, but it got swept up in the mania that was Christmas. But the way we celebrate this holiday is also way different than it was 100 years ago. You know, what we're celebrating is that Coca-Cola Santa Claus Christmas. You know, we all think this has been around forever. It hasn't. But imagine, oh, but, but what, what happened was that people grew up, you know, uh, there's a billion Muslims, there's religions of all other kinds. And so the war was, hey, why are we, why are we elevating one religion's, you know, somewhat a weird observance of this time of the year based on a story that, you know, probably isn't theirs or true? Yeah, but, you know, and people sometimes find a problem with this. It's just what the roots are. I, again, I always go back to the 70s when the 70s is the, por- the part of my life that I, you know, you start to remember, right? And you have, you know, good, hard memories of it. Uh, everybody celebrated Christmas. Again, I went to a high school. There was no visible minorities and everybody in everybody celebrated Christmas. And as, you know, our society evolved and, you know, diversity, immigration and everything, yeah, that's been buffered. And I think the people, the traditionalists, the people that, you know, remember the days when Christmas was it because that was our culture, that was our society, for the most part, the overwhelming majority of it sometimes just feel like they're having their toes stepped on or they're being pushed aside by others. Is that valid? Is that right? I guess if you're deeper religious, maybe. If you're somebody like me, I don't care, you know, so, but that's where that comes from. And the same with the, you know, and when I say war on Christmas, again, I'm always referencing Fox News. They spent most of last week, you know, they always had to have their war on Christmas segment yeah. and it's you like watch sh- it and you like watch it. And it's like, it's like what, Dan? Up. It's like Shark Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's like, right. shut up. Like, no, know. You know, really. And they're and they're and they're giving you examples that aren't even really that valid, you know, <laughs> Anyway, I, listen, I don't want to get bogged down in this. And what you just said about and what you just said about in the 70s, everyone celebrated Christmas. Well, that's not true. It's just everyone in your neighborhood. It was the predominant societal, you know, well, mainstay. That's exactly what I said. No, I know what that's I'm a, just saying. Like, yeah. but but it, anyway, um, all like by there was waves. no Jew. Howard, when at my school, there was no Jewish kids, you know, out in Scarborough. I'm just talking about from no. our life experience. Like there might have been some Jehovah's Witnesses and that that was exclusively it there was no you didn't hear about anything else right my mom's boss was a jewish guy and he of course he was because we you know we run the we run the no i know and they did the hanukkah (laughs) thing and my mom did some you know acknowledge that on some level but he more acknowledged the christmas thing it's it's just like anything else the world evolves well all of this to say we're here for our 12 i guess they're starting our 12th calendar year uh 2011 or yeah 2011 we started this and it's evolved into whatever this is now and uh we wanted to uh, wish everyone who's come back to listen to us and some new listeners a uh, happy and healthy new year dan duran's got uh, stuff to do so he will not be joining us later for the news and uh daniel we will look forward to uh, your return all right uh on the morrow Yes, I'll be back tomorrow. All right. And, uh, you know, just uh, enjoy whatever it is you're doing today. Happy New Year. All right. Keep your blood pressure down, boys. Continue to uh, worship your 
fake baby shoes. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Dandoran, everybody. Dandoran. 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 Uh, Bill Brio will... Uh, actually, our last show was Thursday the 22nd before the big ice storm. Bill Brio was part of that pre-Christmas all-star show. He's uh, joining us again today talking about what TV you should be watching in 2023. And Fred, we should also acknowledge these fine people. Oh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. It's another year. You know what? At the beginning of a year, and a lot of people think of... You know, that whole deal, like, what should I do in 2023 that I didn't do in 2022? Well, maybe a benefits package for your small business. Oh, that'd be a nice start, wouldn't it? Huh? I'm asking you. Uh, small yes. business, meaning one to 100 <laughs> employees. Uh, you know, we're talking uh, prescriptions. We're talking dental. We're talking all sorts of therapies. They have an HR component, a mental health aspect to it now. Very important. Uh, in 2023, uh, where we said, take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca, read all about it, and you get a free quote while you're there. Chamberplan.ca. In a second, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the unusual circumstances, frightening, surrounding the Buffalo Bills game last night. And later on, I'm not sure if we're going to get to it, before Bill or after after Bill Brio's appearance, but I want to talk about my seven years soberversary. But first, uh, let me tell you, this program, happy to welcome back GoDaddy. You know, in order to have a business like ours, you know, we have some legacy clients, uh, Chamber Plan, the retirement Sherpa. Gig Sky was with us for a long time and still... We enjoy uh, an association with them, but we're uh, we're excited today for you to have GoDaddy back with us. Oh, we love it! It's fantastic, and it says a lot about our business model. And yeah. some clients, uh, like a radio station, you know, will come and go, but the fact that this is, I think, their third cycle with us, and so I wanted to acknowledge that from the sales department. Program is now baked fresh and brought to you by GoDaddy. Once again, with GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and start selling online. Now, we've spoken to a lot of people from GoDaddy and people that have benefited from GoDaddy. And I always say the same thing. They've got the tools and support you need for your small business. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. There's no better time than now to get your idea online. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, And finally, bring it to life with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support. That's right. You can call and speak to a human being. They're here to uh, help you and uh, shepherd you every step of the way. No credit card is even required to get started. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. I was quite flattered yesterday when you texted me. All you said was, uh, Bill's game tonight, huge. And I thought, that's cool, you uh, now think of me as a fellow Buffalo Bills fan. An in- I have an interest in the game, and you reached out to me to make sure I knew that the game was on. I did. Oh, yeah. I was a little concerned that maybe you had lost track of the days that the Bills were playing because it was a Monday night game. Yeah. Well, I did, by the way, last week lose track of it. Well, this is what I'm saying. Uh, I got. I missed that Sunday game. I don't know what the hell happened to me, but uh, I appreciated it. I thought, hey, look at me. I'm like a part of you know Freddie's Bills universe and uh, well why don't we, I mean, I'm sure most uh, people know by now that there was a very unusual incident that happened uh, well and uh, very sort of shortly into the first quarter I think it was the score was 
mm-hmm. uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, not the first time they've had an injury where the uh, player had to get taken off the field by uh, ambulance. No, they had another player off the top of my head. Just to... It was a quarterback early in the season, yeah. Who? Oh, Freddie. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about the Buffalo Bills. No, no, no it was uh, they, Cincinnati. They had a player, who's, had a, a player who uh, a couple of years ago had injured. He's partially paralyzed. Off the top of my head, I... I don't. I don't ever recall his name. Um, I, sh- I should not. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I, it, it okay. was. It was. So the, the player we're talking about is Demar Hamlin. Yeah. Uh, but this was the second time at a Bengals game that mm-hmm. somebody oh, okay. was in September. Dolphins quarterback uh, right. to uh, t- I can't. His that Tao. guy yeah. Tua. Tua. Mm-hmm. Tua. What's his name? <laughs> I. How you say his Tagova Valolia. I think people just call him Tag or Tag Anyways, or whatever. He was taken by stretcher to uh, a hospital after he suffered a con- concussion on a Thursday night game. He, he's had three this year. Finally, at least three that they know of. Finally, they shut him down a week or so ago and his head smashed into the ground again. So why don't you uh, take this uh, and describe what happened? Because I have a couple well, questions for you. Well, you know, Cincinnati scored in the opening drive. Uh, Bills respond with a field goal. They kick off, and then I think it was the first. It was first and ten. And Joe Burrow throws a pass to T. Higgins, I believe, and uh, he puts his head down, and uh, safety Damar Hamlin hits him. They have a collision. Didn't look that violent. You know, you see a lot worse in football. And Hamlin goes down, then he stands up, and then as soon as he stands up, he starts to sort of wobble and then just collapses. And uh, and then it began for a, several minutes. He lay on the field in, in trouble, obviously. All the players gathered around, so we as the television audience and the stadium audience couldn't see exactly what was going on, but it was CPR, and they brought out the paddles, and apparently it stopped breathing yeah he had a cardiac arrest didn't have a pulse so yeah and then you're thinking often neck injury right because a catastrophic catastrophic neck injury can often uh, lead to respiratory problems immediately uh but it turns out it was just a cardiac arrest the kid 24 years old had a heart attack on the field yeah, I, I I spoke to you I guess about 20 minutes after it happened because I was confused about a couple things um it didn't seem, as you said, it wasn't the most violent hit. No. And uh, right away, when you saw the replay, like he got up and then went down almost immediately. Yeah. Isn't that a sickening sight? Yeah. When you see a human being do that? Well, because he lost consciousness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and, awful. Uh, you know, when it first, when, he, when the play first happened, you just think it's like a normal injury and he was laying mm-hmm. there for a second and then. Mm-hmm. You could see how quickly it changed. The seriousness of it changed. Mm-hmm. A couple of questions. They suspended the game about a half an hour later. I don't have the exact time in front of me. I think it was 8.55. But whenever it was, mm-hmm. at the time, there were, I don't know, let's call it 10 minutes left in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And the game is 7-3, as you mentioned. So, and you had started talking about this when we first uh signed on about a half an hour ago just before we hit record what what does it mean like you said they're screwed now they don't know what what can they do because well i have two questions what will they do do you think replay the game and if they do second part is do they pick up the game at that point in the game when it's seven three yeah i would imagine 
to answer that question first, yes. If this game is replayed or continued, it'll be that point, that score, that point on the field, that down, on and on and on. They're screwed because it's football. You know, it's a unique game. You can only really play once a week because it's such a brutal sport, right? I mean, there are exceptions. A team will play on a Sunday and then a Thursday, but we all know that. It's just this is a tough one because this game had huge, has huge playoff implications. If this was two, three, and 13 teams, they could literally say, you know what? Those two teams will have a 16-game a season instead of a 17-game season. I believe they could do that. That would be an option. Can't do that here, Howard. And and the problem hold, hold is hold on a second. Why is that? Bills are twelve and three. Hmm. Bengals are eleven and three. I think the Bills win out their last two games. They host the AFC champ, or they become the top seed in the AFC. And this is one right? of their last two games. Yeah, Cincinnati beats Buffalo. They could actually jump ahead of the Bills in seeding. So there's so many implications. If Kansas City wins their last game and Buffalo lost to Cincinnati and then Cincinnati won their last game of the season, the Bills could end up as the third seed, not the first seed. All I'm saying is there's huge, and that's huge implications. You want that game. So now they're screwed because this Sunday is the last weekend of the season. They play all the games on Sunday, so it's fair for everyone. And then the next week, the playoffs begin. So I don't know what they would do. Because you can't really slot the playoffs until you know where Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo sit, right? So what are their options? I mean, today is Tuesday. They're all and, and Cincinnati and Buffalo, I'm assuming, are all playing on Sunday, since you just said all the teams are playing. Yeah. So is it possible? Like, you know, it's interesting what you said about how difficult the sport is and how many games they mm-hmm. play. Teams will go Sunday, Thursday, but they never go Thursday, Sunday. No, 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 no. Wouldn't be allowed. Wouldn't be allowed. So is there a a scenario where they would all play Sunday? The playoffs are slated to fall. Here's my other question. If they all played this Sunday, what day were the playoffs slated to to begin? The following Sunday? Well, the next Saturday, Sunday. Next Saturday, Sunday. It's wild card weekend. Yeah, they're, they they're screwed. As you're right, because there's no real place to slot a game, an extra game in, because they would all be playing Thursday, right. Sunday, or Thursday, Saturday. I And the problem is, so even if you stagger it for these teams, then it's not fair, because say they played all those games next Saturday and Sunday, and they had to stagger it so that the Bills and whoever played Monday or Tuesday, well, then they have a short week. You know what I mean? So how do you catch up? I don't know what they're going to do. All I can say is during COVID, there was a couple of quirky situations where teams played within three or four days for just because they had to for whatever reason. I can't remember exactly. But, you know, that's why. Well, number one, the NFL has released a statement saying they don't want to talk about the schedule until they know how the condition of this kid. He's still in critical condition, so it's not. They, want, they don't want to have a player in critical condition and saying, oh, by the way, we're going to be playing this game then and whatever. Well, and, I guarantee you they're, they're discussing it. Of course they are. Of course they are. They have to. And, and the problem is with the Buffalo Bills in particular, when are they going to feel like playing again? If this kid's still in critical condition on Thursday and it's life and death, like who feels like playing? Here's his uh, uh, Hamil- Hamlin's uh, representative posted an update on Twitter. This is somewhere his agent somewhere in the middle of the night says his vitals are back to normal. 
and they put him to sleep to put a breathing tube down his throat. The Hamilton County coroner said, uh, responding to his tweet, said, good news, he's young and healthy and resilient. And of course, prayers continue. That's one of the things. Again, I don't want to sound like, you know, I got, I don't, yes, I'm not, yeah, I guess I am anti-religion, but it's just this default, you know, everyone's praying for him. And I just find that, Anyway, what are you going to do? What are they? What else well, are they going to say? It's such a it's such a thing. It's such an American thing. Now I'm watching. They go to the New York desk, and there's the you know the three analysts there. I don't know any of them. And uh, but right away, of course, they're in a. You know, I, I did appreciate the fact that one of the the ex player who was talking said, "You know, I've been playing this game for 20 years. It's a brutal game, but I've never seen anything like this." And I was another thing I wanted to run by you. Like this is. What they've never, there's never been another situation where a guy has this, this not happened in football before. I was sort of surprised. Well, guys go down, but often it, it, it would be a neck injury or some kind of a mobility thing where he's lying there and he can't move. And I've seen those situations, but then they sort of stabilize the guy and then cart him off. I don't ever recall. And again, I didn't see it directly, but CPR, they said, for nine minutes. Yeah. And then the paddles. And I don't think I've ever seen or heard of anything like that before. And is that so that's why? What, that's what made this unique. Okay. Because I, I didn't yeah. have any perspective on that. Is that why the players were so distraught? They oh, thought sure. he, They thought he died? Yeah. Or he was dying in front of them. You know, and if he wasn't moving, I mean, just think how settling that is a good buddy of a good, you know, a good friend, a good buddy, a teammate. All of a sudden they're put like, wait a minute, you're on the field. You're you've literally cut his uniform off now. And now you're putting the paddles on him. Yeah, that's a little unsettling. They said at the time that he did have a pulse. He just his heart stopped. Yeah. And go ahead, because I want to take this in a quirky direction. Well, the one thing I would say about. And I was going to ask you, um, yeah, the religious thing, the prayers, that's a default. Those people sitting around the desk, I felt bad because what do you say? They don't have a lot of information, and that becomes the default. Well, thoughts and prayers are with him. You know, and and I'm going to be honest with you right now, and I'm going to ask you this question. If I'm on that field and my teammate appears to be dying and I feel helpless, would I ever be in a position where I don't know what to do? And I, I, you know, I've told myself, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in a, in a superior being or whatever, but I got nothing else right now. So I'm going to say something just in case I can see people being in that position, how genuine it is, whether it's right or wrong. It's just like, I'm at my wits end. I have nothing else other than please God help this guy stay, stay alive. I can see that happening. Well, yeah, I'm, I can see it happening. I just, yeah. you know, I can't relate to it. Do you th- never think that you could ever, ever be in that position? Not anymore. No, I don't think okay. I could. Not, yeah, I, no, I don't. You know, the answer is no. I'm just being honest. I wouldn't. Okay. I don't think I could be in that position. See, I can't answer that same way. I'd have to be in that position. And it would, it would probably be disingenuous. I just, it, it's become such a default and such a yeah. reaction that maybe I would do that i don't know so I, I i i was watching i was a little bit at first you know you're sort of like what's going on and then you're like okay they're they're very upset josh allen and the 
quarterback from Cincinnati were hanging out with with each other, and then eventually the two coaches get together. At first, in case you didn't see it, they they put they basically were going to stop play for um, they were going to take five minutes. So when they finally got him off the field, they were going to take five minutes and warm up again. And then the coaches got together and said, we should go back in the locker room and sort of reset. And at that point, you thought, okay, are they going to try and play this game? And I don't know which one of the analysts said this, but I totally I totally agreed. There was no way for the Buffalo Bills players, religious aside, to get their heads around playing a game now. And it wouldn't be fair to them because, yes, Cincinnati was upset by it. Those players were upset by it, but it's not their teammate. The Bills were in a psychological place where I don't think they should have played. And I think that was the discussion. Yes, um, that five-minute thing has been discounted by the league. They said never, ever did anybody say five minutes. They don't know where that came from. Well, I heard it by those and the, I heard somebody on the desk say, or somebody said it, well, whoever was calling the game. Yeah. Well, it was gonna, wrong. Yeah, they were, well, somehow they got information that there was going to be a yes. five-minute warm-up. Yeah, no. They've, they've, you know, I think they pulled that out of their bag of tricks from previous injuries without fully appreciating how serious this one was. Yeah, they couldn't have been. But the, but the league said, no, at no point did they. You know, and the, that one analyst there on the ESPN you know, he was talking about, oh, that's the way this league does does business. But put yourself in the position. So you're the guys in New York and, you know, uh, uh, the um, the commissioner, Goodall. I mean, this is all coming at them pretty quick, right? Yeah. You've got a stadium full of like 75, 80,000 people. You've got this national broadcast. You're not quite sure what condition this kid is in. I mean, you got to take in all this information before you make a decision. And I thought that guy was a little quick off the mark being critical of the league i'm thinking just put yourself in that position you know they they, they're going to figure this out and they did and once they they you know appreciated the magnitude of the injury there was no question that game wasn't going on i didn't i didn't know for sure until the cincinnati coach came over to a buffalo guy what's his name um the buffalo coach oh my yeah okay um, when they walked together, when he came over to the Buffalo bench and you could see him sort of put his hand on his arm and he was being, what's his name? Sean. <laughs> oh, this is odd. Oh, my God. 2023. Sean McDermott. Right. I wonder how many words people names will forget in 2023. Mm. So when he came over there, was you, you could just see like they were sort of looking at it like there's no way we're going to go on with this thing. And then they, I stuck, by the way, I stuck watching it for quite some time. I, I found it fascinating and not in a morbid way, but just, I was just curious, like what, like to your point about it's never happened before. And then they showed some of the shots from outside of the locker room and people milling about it. And that's what I thought. I thought, man, these guys are scrambling, trying to figure out what they're going to do. And then they showed people leaving the, the stadium and, and now you've put this in even more perspective for me in terms of, you know, what are they going to do? This is all up in the air. Yeah. Um, in the hallway there when um, Sean McDermott and the Cincinnati coach, whatever his name is, um, they were talking. There was a woman there with a cell phone, which ha- she handed it to each one of them. That was probably the commissioner on the phone. 
getting a read from them about how they felt and what the situation was. And it was shortly after that. But that woman with the self, she is, um, she's, she was the, sort of the game rep um, in contact with New York. Whatever, whatever her position is, that's her job. If anything goes wrong to, you know, be the correspondent for New York. And that's what that was all about. So I, I imagine they were talking directly to the commissioner. Is there a, and let's say they find out today, in the next few hours, that this kid, his condition is stable, he's breathing on his own, or whatever. Uh, let's just say, is there a scenario where they, because I'm, sur- I'm sure Buffalo hasn't left Cincinnati yet. Is there a scenario where they might, to, to your point about the, the uh, schedule and how screwed up it is now where they could play it tomorrow and maybe not in front of a crowd or just play the game, pick it up at this point just to have a complete game. And then it would be a Wednesday through, you know, wouldn't be again, cause they don't do Thursday to Sunday. No, or even do it tonight to re to redo the game tonight. It only is one more day. It'd be, you know what? Your guess is as good as mine. I can't see it tonight. Because the Bills returned to Buffalo after the game. Oh, they did. I just said that. Then why would they? Them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm so most back. of them, some of them stayed to be with the player. But I don't know. Do you emotionally recover that quickly? I don't know. Again, I just, I flat out don't know right. what they're going to do. The only solution I could see collectively as a league is take a week off. Everybody. No, it's just staggering one, one, one more week. Because, yeah, there, because there is those two weeks between the last playoff game and the Super Bowl. It's a, Maybe, they have a week to play with. That's true. Maybe this year, because of this, there will be no week between. No two uh, weeks between. Yeah, like, yeah, no yeah. week off between the Super Bowl and the, and right, the league right. championship series. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm pretty, I, I'm th- I think we've exhausted this. I think we did a great job of breaking it down. And uh, I was, uh, I was here, wanted to hear your perspective because I'd never seen anything like this, but I, I didn't know if it was, if it had happened before, but from what I saw last night, it's uh, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. All right. But last night I, after I went to bed, I listened to the local Buffalo station and there was a couple of young guys on there who do the post game show, but they were in the same situation. They didn't know what to say. They're trying to fill time. I heard the words thoughts and prayers a million times. Mm-hmm. And again, it didn't bother me that much because I thought they're just scrambling here. That's that's their default. That's what you say in this situation. And again, yeah. not everybody is super opposed to religion the way we are. I'm thinking those two guys, the kids may actually believe this and it's going to do some good. But if I heard thoughts and prayers one more time, I think I was going to scream. I saw this online. I can't remember if it was Twitter or Instagram or something. But somebody in reference to this, they said basically... I think it was Neil, our buddy Neil uh, Morrison, Brother Bill, said, wouldn't it be great if thoughts and prayers actually worked? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great? But it can't hurt. Well, I here, a statistic I had written down here actually last week. Uh, a recent poll in the United States 20% of the population now does not believe in God. And to them, to the, in this article, that was just abhorrent. What? Two out of ten people don't believe in God? This is just, I, I would think it would be more. Yeah. But that just sure, shows you where we're at still with this whole thing. 
the fact that two out of ten don't believe in God is huge news because what's happening to our society? We're falling apart. I thought it was very amusing, and I would love to see that same poll conducted in Canada. I bet you we'd be over 20%. I would think so. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a lot of ways, and I don't want to segue into another, because I, I spent a lot of time on the holiday season, and here comes Bill. Perfect timing. Um, and, and I'm not sure if we'll get to it today, but I spent, I, I, I was one of those people that downloaded the, <laughs> maybe, to the surprise of not a lot of people, I downloaded the January 6th report. Oh, okay. I, and I read yes. it like it was yes. a novel. I went back to it every day over breakfast. I would sit and read some more pages. I can't remember if I sent you the link. The New York Times provided a free link to the... Uh, it's the entire thing. And um, it just goes to show you. And they might, I'll get into the specifics maybe another day. But what you come away from it is... The overall impression for me is that in a religious-based society, they're so open to being grifted because they're so used to being grifted by their religious leaders. It's just, in, it's just part of their society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, yeah. this, I, yeah. I said this a couple of years ago about Americans. I, I was trying to be complimentary and kind. I said, they are among the most charitable people on the earth because they have to be. Because the government isn't allowed to provide what most science-based countries, the, G, the other, the other uh, G20 countries, where the government is part of your taxes goes to provide for one and all, which, of course, Americans call socialism. But they have to be charitable to one another. Thank goodness they are. Thank God yeah. they are. Because yeah. if they weren't, you know, it would be a third world country. That that um, Damar Hamlin on the Buffalo Bills, he had a toy drive going, and apparently it had raised about two hundred fifty thousand dollars over Christmas for the toy drive, and last night it hit three million dollars. Wow! Well, that's great. I mean, again, yeah. that's what they're they're great at that stuff because they kind of have to be. Uh, yeah. More about that later. I'll tell you, it, it, it's. It, I've never read any document like this, and you would think on the surface it would be kind of a dry, you know, government whatever, mm. but I, it, it, I'm going to tell you, I couldn't put it down. It's just, it was like, it read like a, a, a some Stephen King novel or something. I don't know if that's a great reference, but it read like a book. It reads like a book. How aggravating was it, though? That would be my concern, that I'd be sitting <laughs> so, there aggravated. This oh is all God. obvious. What's the problem? No, well, you'll, you know what? You, you, first of all, you are right. But secondly, there was lots of stuff in there that I did not know. Yeah. Also watched a lot of television, like a lot of people over the break. And uh, what a blessing to Gord Almighty, the uh, great hip in the sky, that uh, we have access to this guy. And we say Happy New Year to one of our favorites, William Brio. Hello, Bill. Good morning, Howard and Fred. Hey, Billy. Happy New Year. <laughs> B-R-I-O-U-X, people. Go write that shit down. <laughs> I was uh, thinking about you on the, the way, on the time off. I was thinking, oh, there's a bunch of things I... Wanted to run by Bill. How was before we get to the, the your job? How was your family Christmas and the New Year and 
all that. Yeah, it was great, uh, Howard. Um, my son, Katie, and uh, new son-in-law, Mo, they moved back to Toronto last year. And uh, so uh, along with my uh, son, Dan, and Sandra, they invited us all for Christmas. So it was nice to be uh, invited out to be hosted and uh, enjoy a, a meal with family. And that was uh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Bill, with that long white beard, you were at the Santa Claus at Bramley City Center this year, were you? <laughs> huh? Were you? Uh, no, I was thinking of it, picking up a few extra bucks, uh, Fred. But um, right. it's funny. I went to visit uh, Sandra's brother, and, and uh, they had a young granddaughter there who was maybe mm. two and a half. And um, this little girl saw me. I came running in on Boxing Day the next day, <laughs> and she just ran to me and jumped into my arms Aww. and... and you know, uh, uh, pretty much thought I was Santa Claus. So well, that of, that is a Santa beard. It really is. Yeah, that's and, and great. Now you grow that. Wow. You grew that during the pandemic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so and, I've had it for three years. And, I guess. and so, when did you decide? Because Freddie had his beard going there for a while. He had a whole look. But when did you decide that that this was it? This is who I am now. Um. I don't know if it was really a decision or just laziness and not wanting to shave. <laughs> I don't know. It it was, um, and I think I, certainly if Sandra uh, hadn't encouraged me, it would have been gone a long Sandra's time Sandra's your wife, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So um, there would have been, uh, yeah, it wouldn't have lasted long if, if it hadn't gotten the thumbs up, I guess. Um, yeah, and, and I, I always, I don't really think about it. Um, but you're right. Every time I I, uh, I do get the Santa reference a lot, so it needs to be it needs to be trimmed. I just haven't gotten around to it. Well, and I was asking my neighbor who's got a similar beard now, my former neighbor. How many times in a day do you have to check it for like food and snot particles or like mm. you know you know Great what I mean question. like stuff caught up in it? Yeah, yeah. like because. Because at any given moment, you can walk out in public and it's caught something. Yeah, like a grilled yeah. cheese sandwich or some <laughs> yeah. waffle. or Sure. Stray bird, beer birds. Every, every yeah. two or three months, Fred, to answer your question. Every two oh, that's three right. Three just goes through it. Super. <laughs> it, I'll tell you, it looks very soft, though. It doesn't look Yeah, yeah it looks like it's softened up. Wait a minute. There's a sandwich in there now. Hold on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk TV. Uh, TV feeds my family. That's uh, Bill Breer and, of course, his podcast. The, uh, the uh, what is the name of it again? Brio TV. The podcast. Brio TV. The podcast. Uh, lots of uh, time over the uh, break since we last saw you. This twenty second of uh, December was our last show. This is our first show back. And so I've got a couple things I want to run by you, but what do you uh, want us to know first? Well, just thank you for mentioning the podcast. I have an interesting guest right now, just Brad Schwartz, who is a Toronto lad, and he used to be a programmer at Much Music and uh, MTV Canada, and then went on and had great success in the States at Pop TV. You know, he brought Schitt's Creek there, and it Mm. won like nine Emmys, and uh, that year Pop TV had... Only HBO and uh, Netflix had more Emmys in 2020. So uh, now he's at the CW, uh, a network that um, is going to have to do quite a makeover. You know, all those, it's changed ownership. So it used to be all, you know, uh, superhero shows, The Flash and everything like that. They're kind of going to gradually all go away. And uh, Brad's likely to reach across the border and bring more Canadian shows uh, to that service. So, um it's kind of exciting news, I think, for a lot of Canadian 
um, showrunners. And that Bill's uh, Bill's podcast, everyone. I think uh, new episodes are every Thursday. I want to say yeah, every Monday morning. That's what yeah. I meant. Monday, yes, mm-hmm. not Thursday. So Close every <laughs> I don't know where Listen, where would I've got people... Thursday. I just took a stab at that, Billy. If people want to listen on Thursday, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, but it's a new episode every Monday. Strike yeah. the last. I'm going to edit that out of the podcast. Um, it's not like you guys do this every damn oh, day. No. That's at some point. Well, so. actually, we've got an announcement at the end of the show. We're going to make an announcement about Humble and Fred's winter holiday schedule that's going to be in effect in a couple of weeks and take us right to April. But uh, in the meantime, let's talk about some of your picks and uh, some of the things we can look forward to. And then maybe we can have a little discussion about some of the things that uh, Freddie and I binged on the uh, on the yeah. vacation. Well, I, I just want to mention there's this documentary coming up uh, called The Last Movie Stars, and it's been out. You've probably heard about it. It's about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, the husband and wife uh, movie team. Uh, it just didn't get to Canada. Like normally Crave or somebody would pick this up. It was on HBO Max in the States, and it sat around in Hollywood suite uh, as a service that shows mainly movies, but they also have series. And um, it's picked it up. So they're going to have an exclusive. And it's interesting because it's Ethan Hawke is a director. Newman and Woodward, of course, uh, have long gone. Uh, but they, they started mm. to work on an autobiography. Newman was gonna, finally going to write something. He stopped making spaghetti sauce and all that stuff. And um, they, they recorded interviews between the two of them. And uh, then they decided, nah, and they sort of literally destroyed the interviews. But they kept, they had it all transcribed. Which mm. survived, and uh, so Hawk recast. He's got like uh, George Clooney and Laura Liddy to read their parts off the transcripts, and then mixed it with clips and other celebrities' involvement. And uh, it's it's fascinating. Actually, it's a pretty good documentary. Well, I wonder how they're going to deal with the fuck hut, with the witch, the fuck hut. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. That, I know. That's, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm in the dark here. I don't know what he's talking about. Well, Paul Newman, um, after uh, he uh, she died before him, she uh, said once he met her, she turned him into this um, this sexual being that he didn't really think he could ever be. And part of their thing, they had a room in the house, a sex room, mm. and they used to call it the fuck hut. And nice. they would uh, when she was in the mood, she would drag him in there. Quite often over the space of a week. And I'm just, uh, that was part of the autobiography. And they're going to have to deal with that on some level, are they not? Well, as a matter of fact, Fred, I don't know. You've probably been, been there. I've been to the Fuck Hut in Brampton. The tacos are delicious. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, the bearded tacos are even better. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're going to do. By the way, that uh, it's called the uh, the Last Movie Stars, directed by Ethan Hawke, and uh, it uh, debuts January twelfth. Uh, yes. This, this next thing I've heard of, but uh, reading your description, welcome to Chippendales. Yeah, it's this is based on a true story on the uh, Chippendales, the the male strip club, and um, it it's a fascinating story. Watching it is sort of like uh, for me, it was like watching that. Um, series that was done about the Lakers. You know, it, it's yes. you've got real actors recreating an actual event. So you're assuming it's true. And probably the truth is stretched here and there. But it's actually quite interesting. And uh, Kamel uh, Nujani, who um, does stand-up comedy, but also... Uh, and he's turned... By the way, Kamel... Yeah, he's turned himself... And by he also was in, yeah, The Big Sick. The Big Sick. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. And but, um, he's turned himself into like a bodybuilder or something. Um, 
It's not evident watching this oh, film. Okay. He's always in the same damn suit. It looks like uh, the, the suit from the Penguin wardrobe or something. But he uh, he plays the actual guy, Steve Banerjee, who had the idea to create a club who was uh, an immigrant to uh, in, in L.A. from India. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. The story, it intersects with Dorothy Stratton and Paul Schneider, mm. the star 80 couple. Um, mm mm-hmm. That their last days, they were, he, they were they were involved in this club as well, um, and it just goes. It's a it's a very interesting story. So, um, and and, you, and you, the performances are pretty good. There's some good acting on it. It says here, uh, Juliette Lewis stars as the woman who created tearaway tearaway pants. But wouldn't yeah. that also be Joanne Joanne Woodward and uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, and the fuck out? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus, mm, what is crazy. your uh, bill? What's your sex room called? Does it have a name, or is oh. it just <laughs> the the once in a while, the every so often, the birthday room? Mm-hmm. What do you call it? Yeah, it's 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 the sixteen millimeter projector. Room. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's constantly showing Marilyn yeah. Chambers movies, skin flicks from the seventies. <clears throat> um, Christy Canyon. <laughs> what uh, what uh, is this animated series? It's a Scooby Doo character. Yeah, you know, so here's this is where we're at, right? Welcome to 2023. They're making, uh, they're spinning off uh, Velma right. from Scooby Doo and giving her her own animated series. And uh, Mindy Kaling uh, is the voice of Velma. So that starts on uh, January 12th. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just bottomless. And we're coming up with more of these are, are going to be here in January. They're, they're doing spinoffs, well, or a reboot of Night Court, if you remember that show. Yeah, I love oh, Night yeah. Court with Harry uh, yeah. Anderson. Great show. Yeah. It was a great show. Uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, John Larroquette, who was Dan Fielding. The yeah, he's so good. The horny <laughs> prosecuting attorney, you yeah. know. And, but uh, sadly, like everybody else has gone, Harry Anderson, Marky Post, um, you know, that, that show wasn't that long ago it doesn't seem to me but i guess it maybe is 35 40 years ago yeah it was a long um, time ago yeah but it's coming back and uh, one of the actresses from uh, the big bang theory um is uh playing the judge sort of the daughter of the original harry stone uh on the show well i would think that i would have a chance I think people will be curious. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's I, I'm kind of glad they brought one of them back. It looks like the same old set. And, uh, you know, it, it was a funny show, but it was of its time for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, it could it, be updated. Yeah. You know, you've given me a little segue opening here because I had uh, found this article from uh, the Daily Hive. Uh, it's basically things that will make you feel old in 2023. And uh, the three of us are all of a similar vintage, born in the 60s or late 50s, early 60s. So here's a couple things that'll make you feel old, because you said Night Court doesn't seem that long ago. Let me give you some uh, perspective here. The first Harry Potter book came out 25 years ago. (laughs) A Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley Cup in, take a guess, how many years? 1993. 1993. Yeah, 30 years. 30 years. School of Rock, that movie we all enjoyed, that turns 20 this year. (laughs) Um, Let me get you. The Office. The Office finale aired, the finale of the series aired 10 years ago. Yeah, amazing. Scarface, 40 years ago. Seinfeld, The Simpsons, and Saved by the Bell all debuted more than 30 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1989, The Simpsons came on in December. So, yeah. 
And here's the one last television one for you. Friends. It seems like just the other day, we were all Thursday night watching Friends. And uh, so cheers. Friends ended 19 years ago. Yeah, well, I'll be old with you, I guess, is that they exactly. changed the song. Ma- exactly. Matthew Perry looks like it ended 35 years ago. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah, even Jack Black in School mm. of Rock, he looks like me now, if you see him, a big beard. and uh, yeah. Although, you know, Jack Black is one of those guys. He seems to have a very youthful energy, always. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even Carson was, what, 92? That's 30. One years ago, yeah. the last Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. If you ask anybody uh, 30 or under, or probably 35 or under, they have no idea who Johnny Carson yeah, is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just a reference on The Simpsons. It's so <laughs> funny you mentioned Carson, guys, because I saw a clip last night. It might have been on TikTok, but it was about a two or three minute clip of Carson interviewing Letterman, a young Dave Letterman, about. It was his first interview after it was announced that Jay Leno had gotten The Tonight Show. And uh, Carson, sort of out of character, looks over at Dave and, go, Dave and goes, says, uh, well, let me ask you this first question. How pissed off are you? And then Dave, gets, <laughs> Dave does this big take, and he's like, you know, Johnny, if you keep using language like that, I don't think you're going to have a career in this business. But it was, <laughs> it was just so cool to see Letterman in his white socks. And, just, uh, and now, of course, Letterman looks like you. And la- one last thing for you about age, Jonah Hill is turning 40 this year. And remember, he was just a little kid just uh, not that long ago. Yeah. Well, he's on a series um, uh, it, uh, talking to a shrink. Yeah, yeah. Shrink. I, I saw that. I saw a little bit of it. It just didn't hold my... I got to... Right. I, listen, I don't need any... I have enough, you know, trouble talking to my own shrink. <laughs> he... um. So he, he was in Moneyball, right? How yeah. long ago would that have been? 15 years. Because he just looked like a child in that... In that movie. Yeah. 10 or 12 years, I guess. Yeah. So uh, let's get back to you, Billy. Um, what else should we be watching? The 90s. So the other one you said was the 90s show. We haven't talked about that. Yeah, there's obviously spun off sort of from the 70s show, but right. it's just, you know, it literally is 20 years later. Uh, the two actors on it who I thought were the best, Red and uh, Kitty Foreman, Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp, they're back as the parents. So you go back to their house, you go back into their basement. It's the same damn basement. Uh, it's very relatable. You know, everybody's parents, uh, you know, people move out and their their stuff is still there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, exactly. it's more about the granddaughter, this story. But you're going to see Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis uh, popping in and out of the show. So I was... Uh, Freddie, do you have anything for Bill? Because I had a couple of series I want to run by him. Uh, well, I was just going to ask about this because, uh, again, I'm not that familiar. This Jeremy Renner guy, I mean, what, what are you doing in a snowplow when you're, when you're a, uh, you know, a yeah. rich actor? What are you talking about? Top? Jeremy Renner, he was in a snowplow and it tipped over and he's in critical condition. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, no, I saw that. It's terrible. Uh you know, it's it's. Uh, there's been so much snow. There was a few weeks ago all across the states, uh, southern states as well. It's it's a very strange here to look out in Brampton and see nothing but green yeah. grass. No, I know. And then I I saw the machine that he was in. And I'm thinking, boy, were you really qualified to be in that thing? But oh. did he did he yeah, uh, tip weird. it over on himself? Yeah, apparently. And uh, you know, and again, when you're in that position, can't you pay people to do that? I mean, seriously. Yeah. But wow. now in cr- critical condition and uh, a rough situation, apparently. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know you don't want to mess with those things. Mm. I don't know how big they. It sounds like he was in a pretty mm-hmm. substantial machine, but even the little one I've got, I'm terrified I'm going to get chewed up in there. You know, end up in the wood chipper. So, like, do you have a ride on or do you have like a push one? Just a push one, Howard, and uh, uh, you know, it, I haven't used it once this year, right? Yeah, so. it's it's so weird because that big that the our last show together with the three of us was uh, I say on that Thursday before the big ice storm here in the city. I went mm. to pick up my youngest who had flown in from New York that day. My other daughter was trying to get home from uh, Denver. And her flight was delayed. Didn't get home until the next morning at 5 a.m. But the city was just, it was cold, but there was very little snow here. But you yeah. guys in Brampton, I was at Fred's place a couple days earlier, and I could not believe the difference in how much snow there is outside of the downtown area that I live in. Well, the actual storm, though, Brampton was like the banana belt. I mean, Fred, it looked like just any other morning there was a, a, just a, a maybe a centimeter or two on the car. It was uh, it was the forecast made you think it was Armageddon, right? Yeah, no, exactly. In fact, my son went out that day. It was no problem at all. Um, but um, what are they talking today? Like 14 degrees or something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. No, there frightening. Were, there yeah. was a weather warning a couple of days ago because of extreme rain. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, to be fair, outside of the city, like there were lots of places where it was whiteout conditions and it really was a storm. The, the, the winds that day, my, my Spencer, mm-hmm. who flew in from New York, was telling me like the landing was bananas because it was, you know, at, at Pearson, it was. 30 knots gusting 45 which is really really windy right but i, I you know we drove up to uh midland um on sunday saturday and uh it was like it is here you know and that's just uh, off the southern shore of mm-hmm. georgian bay uh i thought it would be a lot snowier but no uh it's it's down everywhere hey boy even during a, a bill brio segment we can work the weather oh yeah we can <laughs> <amazing. laughs> <laughs> well, think about what we've talked about with fucking fuck shacks and uh, yeah. weather forecasts. Yeah. Uh, Billy, here's a couple of series that, well, first of all, I'm not sure if we had watched this. Mm. I'd been talking about the offer for eight months and we finally got around to watching it. Uh, Freddie watched it. I watched it. Just binge the shit out of it. I'm not sure if you've seen it. One no, of my, I haven't. Fred, uh, Billy, one of my favorite series in years. Um. I, I, was, I was, this was a weird one for me, but I, I will recommend it. If you're a fan of the Adams Family, this new series on Netflix. Like I, Wednesday. Wednesday. I, at first, I was like, I don't know, it's too sort of high school based. And my kids were like, you know, I think daddy would like it. And they were right. Tim Burton directs it. Freddie, yeah. just, if, it's kind of like a, a Harry Potter thing, it's kind of like a whodunit, but it's just so weird and dark and quirky. Have you seen it yet? No. Um, Billy? Not really. Uh, you know, I, I just haven't gotten to it, but I've heard it's fantastic. It really and, uh, is. It, the most watched show on Netflix for three weeks in a row. It's uh, very, very What's popular. it called? It's Wednesday. Come Wednesday. It's about, because, no, you know, there's the Morticia. There's right. the, the daughter from Adam's The daughter, yes. right. And mm-hmm. and um, all the Adam's family sort of shows up, but it's it's pretty cool. And again, I didn't right. think I was going to like it. I watched and I binged that over a few days. But I was talking to uh, XGFR, who I went on a little movie date with, and uh, she was telling me that I would love White Lotus. At, both seasons apparently are very good. Have you guys watched it? I've, no, I've I, keep, I keep hearing about it, and uh, I, I keep going to watch it, and then something 
gets in the way somehow. <laughs> I've seen the first season. And? Um, it, it, you know, Mike White is the creator of the show. He did a series, Enlightened, several years ago. And it's just his writing, very quirky, odd characters uh, on it. Like, he has a distinct style. And some people love it and some people hate it. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, I enjoyed what I saw the first season. Um and uh, but you didn't they, go they back for season two. Year. It's sort of an anthology right. thing. Right? Yeah, you didn't go back for season two. I haven't so far. No. Okay. Um, just but but I you know I will. Uh, uh, Jennifer, the the main star of the uh, the second season is very very funny. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Coolidge, right? Yeah. The um one thing I uh, a show that I watch that Howard doesn't Yellowstone. Uh, they've just announced it's going to come back in August, I guess, for the second half of season five. But I'll tell you, episodes six and seven were mind-numbingly boring and frustrating for me. Did you watch any of that, Bill? Do you watch Yellowstone? It's like <laughs> I, I watched oh. a bit of the, the first one, but no, I haven't gotten to it. That's on Jesus. Paramount uh, Plus now, I mm-hmm. think. And, Which uh, you have to pay for as a writer on, right, on Crave so, or whatever. Yeah. Like no, um, on Prime. It's complicated yeah. trying to keep oh. up. But it was just on, like, the, you know, the whole show on branding and another show on just <laughs> riding a horse through the mountains. And I'm thinking, come on, man, we got to get back to all the legal stuff. We got to get back to all the land battles. Let's go. And it just didn't happen. It was yeah. weird. It, it's a strange time. You know, there was such mm-hmm. a, it's like a herd of cattle running for uh, five years straight, you know, in terms of t- television and production. <laughs> and every year we just expect every week there'd be three really cool new shows. Yeah, yeah. I think we've hit the wall. I think creatively people are exhausted. Viewers are exhausted. There was just too much television. And uh, so now what do we got now? We got Velma. You know, and Velma. That's, that's where we're at. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give White Lotus another shot because I think I started mm. watching it and I was like, ah, this isn't for me. But enough people that I know that I, I like their taste in things and they know mine have recommended it to me. And I'm going to give it a mm. shot because right now I'm in between series. Like I got so excited about the the offer. I almost want to go back and watch it again. Um, it's that good, Bill. Really, when you get a mm-hmm. chance to see it, and however right, you do it, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. Well, your I recommendations saw- are generally uh, really good, Howard. I, I did go and watch Sebastian Maniscalco's second last special. And it, wasn't it great? And, yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, um, I watched all six uh, Harry and Meghan. Love that. And then I started watching The Crown. But I find that so frustrating, you know, with the whole Diana and Charles thing that I don't I didn't yeah. really. I watched a couple. Didn't go back because. You know, I did two they two episodes me. of Megan, and I never went back to that. But I did on, mm-hmm. I guess you recommended or somebody told me about The Bear. I just loved yes. it. Excellent. Yeah, a lot Saw of eight episodes. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's such a good, good series. Um, the, you know who really likes the, the Crown is my dentist. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <Sorry>. That's great. <laughs> Wasn't there a show called Abscess, too? That <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I think we've come to now that we're making not when you know, you know, in any conversation, when you get to the pun level, you know, it's time to good sign. It's time to say goodbye. Brio.tv, I believe, is your website. I should probably have this in front of me. And by the way, kids, once again, that's uh, B-R-I-O-U-X. TV feeds his family. And uh, by the way, I know a lot of people were were thinking that the podcast is every Thursday, but no, it's every Monday. And uh, look for a new episode uh, just released, I'm assuming, yesterday. 
That is correct. Yeah, Brad Schwartz is there. So happy, happy new year to both of you. I'll be standing by for the big announcement uh, at the end of this show. And uh, we will see you, actually, the next time we do this show together. All three of us. Well, we'll be in, uh, Fred and I will be in uh, warmer climates. And uh, that's part of our announcement coming up. Okay, Bill Briel, thank you, my friend. And uh, happiest New Year. Happy New Year. Thoughts and prayers. See you, pal. Thoughts and prayers. Take it easy. Fuck hat. Right on, buddy. Is it fuck hat? Yeah. Yeah, the fuck hat. The fuck hat. Okay. Because you know what would be interesting if you... Ours is just over there. (laughs) Wait, is it? (laughs) I bet you it's uh, probably frozen over. (laughs) I was thinking that... uh, a fuck hat would be funny. Like every time, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, but you put on a certain hat, it's like, oh, I yeah. guess things are going down. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about our uh, latest, uh, latest, uh, not latest, but another sponsor of ours. Uh, the Maple Leaf of Toronto played tonight. Yes, they do. They host the St. Louis Blues. The, uh, well, uh, the Maple Leafs play 270, uh, minus 270 on the Leafs there, the heavy favorite for tonight's game against the Blues. Leafs have been playing well lately. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, yeah, 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 they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Let me tell you about something you might want to talk over with your financial advisor, maybe the Sherpa. It's uh, AaronVentures.com, an emerging international junior mining and exploration company engaged in the acquisition, exploration, and development of resource properties. One of their resources is the magic that is boron. Why is that important? Because boron is one of the main elements in the world of electric batteries. And Aaron Ventures' strategy is to uncover and capitalize on unique development opportunities within Canada and various regions internationally. Okay. The company's objective is to increase its mineral reserves by developing current properties and through the acquisition of additional mining projects. And go check it out, man. Go check it out. Aaron, go check it out, man. AaronVentures.com. I don't want to make uh, a big deal about this announcement. I just thought it would be fun toward the end of the show to discuss kind of what's happening. Because it won't be long before you go away. Uh, So maybe we'll get to that in about, uh, you know, some minutes from now. Uh, Just because I was thinking about that this morning, that uh, you're going to be off the show in a couple weeks for a while. I'm going to have... a couple of neat guests, uh, guest Freds for the first time in a while, and I wanted to talk about that and mm-hmm. get everyone excited. But uh, I did want to talk about this. I, you know, I'm sure year to year, if I could have a, had a good, you know, better remembrance, I, I'm sure we've talked about the fact that I have gone now, uh, as of yesterday, seven years uh, without drinking. Yes, congratulations on that. Thank you. Seven. And um, I was looking for a song. What is that song? One bourbon. You know, I got a couple of funny. I got so many. First of all, so many people reached out to me. Because I usually post it on. Uh, see, it's it's the one uh, thing I post on Facebook. And it's interesting because I post so infrequently there that you can sort of see my timeline is this one post of me splayed out on a bed, passed out, drunk. 
from years ago and I, I just love it because it represents kind of the chaos that was my life but Jim Jim Richards sent a note to me on one of the social medias and he kind of reminded me of something you've said to me before which is uh, he just said yeah I remember drinking with you and thinking slow down man <laughs> I thought that was funny yeah hey slow it down yeah my favorite was uh, re-engaging with you after uh, the show had broken up for a while for some reason, we were in a limo for, why was that? I can't remember, but yeah, we got a limo. You say, let's stop, event, let's yeah. stop and have a drink. And I thought, Howard wants to stop and have a drink. And then you order a beer and it was like, I never, Howard doesn't usually drink beer. So we order a beer and then you order a shot of vodka with it. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, <laughs> fuck, what's this all about? Yeah, that was pretty Because you never used to really drink beer. Not at all. You know, it's yeah. funny because we've talked so much about the non-alcoholic category, which is, mm-hmm. you know, slated to even get bigger. It's more. It's the most beer I've ever drank in my life. Um, I, so I wanted to thank everyone who sent me nice notes and a lot of Humble and Fred fans and, you know, and and great. But I, uh, I was asked a few times how I did it. And that's something I don't know how much we've ever delved into, but I just wanted to make a couple things clear because obviously... Uh, some people, they would think their obvious uh, thoughts are, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I did not. I wanted to say, though, I have been to AA meetings, several, in support of other people that I know, strangely enough, and I've absorbed some of the, you know, things that they talk about in their meetings. I was uncomfortable, and always have been, as we mentioned earlier in the show, with the idea of, a higher power. That's the AA mantra about giving yourself over to God, whatever that God is, whatever that represents to you. And that was never comfortable for me. And um, so I didn't do that. And, uh, you know, when I first quit, I didn't even tell you. I just knew I needed to stop drinking for a while and I didn't know how long it was going to be. You know, I had some weird encounters with people i had somebody say to me oh don't you'll be drinking by the spring which was i thought you know encouraging and um so what i didn't do is i didn't go to aa in case because i got a few questions from people private messages like hey how did you do it what did you do to stop but i i also want to say that for me because a lot of people wonder made comments like oh i know it's hard But I wanted to be honest and say it really, and I know this is going to sound stupid, maybe, but it really wasn't hard to me once I made up my mind. Yeah, but you're unique. I can see how it's a horrible struggle for other people. When you put your mind to something, it's amazing what you do. Um, Seriously, when you decide you're going to do something, you have that commitment. And again, not to lessen that for other people or make it sound like it's easier for you it was very hard but you know it all comes down to the individual i guess you know some people can climb mountains that others can't well i appreciate you saying that and i don't disagree to a point because obviously Mm -hmm. i I had written that down one of the things that worked in my favor is i'm obsessive yes quite to a fault i know that i am i I don't know about that to at time at let me say this at times, to a fault, I have obsessive, compulsive nature. 
I don't know if it's a disorder, but it's certainly I'm in that category on the spectrum. Well, sometimes it comes in handy, doesn't it? Yes, sometimes it does. And one of the things I wanted to, I wrote wrote this down too. When, When I quit smoking, I used this method. We've talked about it on the show many times called Alan Carr's easy way to quit smoking. And one of the things in that book, and it's a book and it's a course, and I, I took me several times to do that as well. But one of the things that he says is it takes no willpower to not do something you don't want to do. I know that's a lot of double negatives, but what he meant by that is, for instance, you and I have no desire to do heroin today. So there's no willpower involved in us not doing heroin. But if you're a heroin addict and you stop, yes, there's a um, chemical, physical withdrawal, but it takes a lot of willpower if you still want to do it and you're denying yourself the drug. So when I quit drinking, mentally, I hedged my bet a little bit because I didn't tell anybody. I didn't make any proclamation. I didn't do it on January 1st. January 1st in 2016, I drank all day. But I did it because I didn't want to do January 1st. I thought that was too cliche. But when I actually stopped, I didn't quite commit because I thought, okay, I'll do this for a while. I'll try and lose some weight. And I said, I, can I do this for 100 days? That's my first was my first goal. And then it just kept going. But eventually, I lost the desire to do it. So it didn't take any willpower from me. Does that make sense? Sure. Absolutely. Like, that's your story, of course. And I know it's hard for a lot of people. And that's, by the way, this wasn't, the point of this discussion wasn't like, oh, it was easy for me. And it's hard for a lot of people and they need the support of AA and I've got no problem with it. I did have the support of somebody that had been alcohol free for a long time before me. He's coming up to uh, probably 17 years, but when I met him, he was 10 years sober. And so in AA, the model is you get a sponsor, somebody who's been through it, and they sort of support you. So I definitely had that person in my life, and that was a huge help to me because there were a lot of times when I had questions about what I was going through and what kind of reactions I was having, and he was sort of there to go, yeah, that's pretty normal. And and a lot of what he said to me has come true. He said, once you get to five years, it's pretty much done. And he was right. First five years, I did have the odd thought of drinking, but in the last two years, I I barely even remember that I don't. Yeah, it's um, you know, I'm to me, it you know, it's a great story what you've accomplished. It's with me, with you, and a lot of people. It's the how and the why, you know. As I say, I talk about that day we get out of the limo and we go in. I say, Howard doesn't. I've never seen. Howard doesn't usually drink beer, and then you did you literally drop the vodka? Into no, no, the I took a shot. I, I drank. I, I oh, did okay. it. I took a shot of it. Okay, I'm thinking some western. Yeah, yeah, I saw. yeah, okay. yeah. Um, Yellowstone. But it's like where my mind goes. Like, how do you get there? Especially a guy like you, because traditionally all the you know the early years, humble and Fred, we'd go places, and I'd have a few beers, and you might have a glass of wine or something, you know, or sip on something, and then all of a sudden I sit there and I go, "Wow, that's different," and then become aware that it's a problem for you, and it's like, how did that happen? Like, why? Why do people turn to alcohol? Because as I've said to you many, when something's bothering me or troubling me, especially ongoing, the last thing I want is a drink. Where a lot of people. It's the first thing they want or yeah. something they turn to. So I find that whole aspect 
of it fascinating. And then to overcome that is... Uh, well, I was always fascinated something. by you because you, you know, you could drink, you know, maybe have a bunch of extra drinks on the weekend at, a, at, yeah. your, at your trailer and then yes. not drink all week. No. Yeah. And then, you know, so what happened to me is I, it sort of snuck up on me like a lot of things. You know, I got to my 40s. I started increasing the amount of alcohol I drank. I always liked drinking and I didn't. Maybe I always covered it up in public, and I probably drank more than you remember, but I didn't drink anywhere near the kind of drinking I did in my mid to late 40s into my early 50s. That's when I knew I'd gotten... You know, I, I knew in the fall of 2015 that I had, I had some issues. I'd gained a lot of weight, and I was really unhappy, and alcohol is a depressant. Mm. And it made me more depressed. But somewhere in that fog of depression and drinking and bloated and feeling shitty about myself, I just knew that I needed to. And again, this is part of the AA thing. I knew I needed to stop at least for a few days. Now, in AA, they always talk about, you know, anyone can fight the battle of one day. You know, can you? And that's the whole thing is a lot of people think, well, how will I ever enjoy and you start future casting. How am I going to enjoy a holiday? Friends, golf, Christmas, all this stuff. Get family get-togethers. So if you start thinking about that, it's overwhelming and you'll never stop. But the Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, sort of credo is if you can, you just stop for one day and you just keep doing that over and over again. And that's kind of what I did. I went, I'm going to stop for this period of time. And that period of time turned into six months. And then I got to a year. And then I woke up yesterday thinking, wow, man, it's been seven years of my life that I haven't had any alcohol. And like I said, uh, sometimes I just forget that I ever, like it was ever an issue for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What goes through your mind? I think it's a lot of people think that, you know, with cigarettes too, like what am I going to do with those moments that I have a cigarette in my hand or how am I ever going to have a beer again? If I'm not having a smoke with it, right? Those, those connections that people make. But it's like so many things in our lives. Time is the healer. Time is what you need. And then it slowly it drifts away. But then, you know, as you say, too, every for a lot of people, every so often it pops up and it, the battle is on again to resist. I don't know if I'll ever do that. I hope I don't. Mm-hmm. Because I know, yeah. again, I, I, I know I fully acknowledge sometimes when I am thinking about it that I'm lucky that I haven't had a relapse because lots of people do. And I might. Oh, uh, sure. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in situations. I haven't. I shouldn't say I've been. In, I haven't been in a situation where I was tempted to the point where I thought, oh, fuck it. I'll just have a glass of wine. I have been in situations, for instance, in France this fall with Lumby and sitting around and talking and being in a beautiful village and everyone's drinking wine but me. And I thought to myself, you know, it's too bad. I thought two things. I thought it's too bad that I couldn't just have a glass of wine. And it was too bad because Jeff's big into cigars. I thought, oh, maybe seemed like it looked pretty good to have a glass of wine and a cigar. (laughs) But uh, that it's fleeting. And then I just go back to not giving a shit about it. Well, you've actually had, which is unfair, some criticism, too, over the past few years, right? People say, well, you you still smoke, smoke dope weed, yeah. smoke weed. So what's what's your deal, buddy? You still you have that vice. Yeah. And how do you respond to that? And I only bring that up because I'm well, sure that would happen today. Uh, I, I've you'll, had to uh, see that today. Oh, I've had people say that to me in other years yeah. uh, when I post that mm-hmm. picture. 
The irony is I haven't had any weed now in over two months because of my cardiac issues. Mm -hmm. But in past years, you know, Spencer used to make fun of me all the time. And she said, you know, you're on the MMP, the marijuana maintenance program. And I was like, yes, I am. And uh, I would say this, you know, the last couple of months is a great example. I was never I never had the compulsion around marijuana that I did around alcohol. Because in the times I've been away, and there's been many of them the last couple of years where I haven't been a lot in, a, in a situation where I could smoke weed, it didn't bother me at all. And these last seven or eight weeks, I've got, a, I got tons of weed upstairs. I don't have any alcohol in my house. But I still dance. Well, because well, Dan was there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's funny. That's very funny. Um, I don't have it in my house. Not that I'd be tempted, but I'm like, I don't need to see it. I don't need to be around it. But I do have weed in my house now. And because of, you know, what I've been told about my particular issue in my heart, that it's probably the best for now not to smoke it. But I I could. I just don't care. That doesn't draw. That didn't. I used to be drawn into alcohol every day. I needed to get drunk every day. And even when I got high every day, like drunk, I'm talking about like not have a couple glasses. One, I'm talking about pass. Well, were your kids at home at the time? Sometimes, yeah. They were they were living at home at the time. Yeah, some of the some of the times at my worst. Yeah, uh, but I, I would just go upstairs I, and pass out. It's hard hard to relate to because I. It's just like you know that would that would have been the thing. Like this, I got kids in this house. I can't be like this. And again, easy for me to say, but when the when you're in the grips of that stuff, the all logic is gone, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know, to my daughters, you know, I just look like I was, you know, a bit because I, you know, I, I I would I remember just stumbling up the stairs and passing out almost every night. And if they weren't, because they were only with me three and a half days a week, and when mm-hmm. they're teenagers, they often came in after I'd go to bed. So there was lots of time. There was lots of ways to cover it up. But I will tell you that on in that house in Oakville, the divorced dad house that I lived in, I had, I had this is how cl- classic alcoholic, I had booze hidden all over the house. I had why because uh, I didn't want from them to, who from them I didn't want them to see like I had a bottle of vodka in the freezer which they could see and I had a couple bottles of wine yeah. but I had hidden smaller bottles Mickey's of scotch and vodka right. in my uh, garage in the bedroom so, help me with that like I, I this is what I can't relate to Listen, I'll sit down here and have a beer watching a game or whatever. But the fact, like, drinking a liquor alone is something I rarely, rarely, rarely ever do. Maybe by a fire, if I'm all alone up north, I'll just have one. But having, like, what did that represent to you? So the vodka's hidden there. Uh, at what point would you go, I need that? I need that. Like, I'll tell like, you I exactly. Can't. So on a, like, on a typical weekend day, Mm-hmm. You know, I was sort of, you know, fine during the morning, but I had this little ritual where sometime in the early Saturday afternoon, you know, I was going to be watching golf or something. I would go and take a couple of shots of vodka to get kind of a nice buzz going. Okay. And then so I would keep that buzz. So you would take the, the bottle day. like into the powder, like into the wash? No, no, I would, or? no, it would be in the garage. I'd go there and I'd take oh, a okay. couple of shots of it. Or if I was upstairs, there were some in my um, closet upstairs. Or if somebody, so you'd have a little shot glass there, or right under oh, yeah. the bottle. No, no, just under the bottle. Jesus, yeah, man. Even, even that's a sad sight. Eh? Fuck yeah. 
Because I used to have a, I had a, uh, an aunt, Auntie Jenny, and she was like a, just a, a pathetic alcoholic. As a kid, I didn't realize. I mean, the whites of her eyes were yellow, and she went through all that. And my mom used to tell those stories of walking in on her and, you know, this little old lady with the bottle, like oh, yeah. right out of the bottle. And just that image to me. That that screams problem, right? Where you're yeah, not I'd even say. putting in it. You're not even putting it in a glass. And you know, I'm not that. stupid. You know, you've yeah. got a problem when you're doing yeah. that. And yeah. you know, lady friend and I went through a lot of drunken, you know, episodes where, you know, I knew I had an issue, sort of a couple years before I stopped drinking because I could tell how, you know, it was just it was elevating me, uh, in a lot of different ways, and um. Even she didn't know the extent of how I had hidden alcohol around the house. And unfortunately for her, you know, her parents were big drinkers. Her father was a crazy alcoholic. And I don't. And so that was obviously not great for her to watch somebody that she cared about also drink to excess. Anyway, I'll just finish by saying that um, I feel great about not drinking. It does, I went out for dinner New Year's Eve when, you know, we had Christmas time dinners or holiday dinners. And, you know, I've been to Rachel and I went to this cool restaurant uh, last week together. And, you know, Rachel had a couple drinks and I can just be around it now without any issue. And again, I don't know if I'll ever drink again and not to be too esoteric and AA, but I know I won't drink today. And that's probably the best anyone can say is I know that on this day, this third of January, I'm likely not to have, you know, a shot of vodka and no part <laughs> and no part of me wants it. Mm-hmm. Like when I say I was sort of looking over at Jeff and, and ex-wife Randy and Julie having their glasses of wine, it was only because the setting was so beautiful. I thought, oh, wouldn't this be nice? But not, you know, it, it only took a fleeting thought. No, no, like I don't feel like I'm missing out on something. But I know I just can't have one glass of anything. Like, you talk about having one beer. I'm like, what is the point of that? What's the point of only having one drink? That's how, that's how, an, alcohol, that's how an alcoholic thinks. Yeah. Because it's since I've started, I'm actually, well, probably more. Like, probably three or four nights a week. Around four o'clock, I'll have one of my ultras. Again, 3%, 90 calories. But that psychological thing to me is it's, if this was maybe a regular beer, I wouldn't do this as, as, as often. I don't know. It's, it's leaning on it that uh, it bewilders me. You know? And if it's three percent, do I do I get a buzz when I have a three percent beer? Maybe you must get some. Depends on the, well, it depends on the day. You know what I mean? Like, but if you didn't want how much I, foods I, in my belly, or I've asked you this a thousand times. If it's only three percent, why not have no percent? Well, number one, I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't sound as good, and I've tried them all. It doesn't taste as good. Number one, number two, they're more expensive, and I might get used to the taste. And at three percent, the amount I drink. Number one, it's cheaper. Number two, I just think it tastes better. It just does. There's no way a, an ultra at three percent doesn't taste as good as you know uh, a Klaus Taller or a, a sober carpenter. I mean, I give. I'll give oh, you that. That sober carpenter, I think, is horrid. I really, don't, I don't like. Oh, don't like it at all. No. Well, it's one of my favorite. But I, again, I don't yeah. have the perspective. But you get used to it. Yeah, you, like I do. Yeah, else. you're right. You know, I'm talking about Delise in my stocking gave me Sensodyne toothpaste. That's what I use and. 
you show people something and they go, oh, my God, that tastes awful. And it's like, well, use it for a week and it doesn't. No, I mean, know? it's funny. I got, his, I got yeah. it from my dentist. I had never used it before and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you're right. I give you I give you that. I have no perspective mm-hmm. anymore whether I, I know that, you know, a a nice craft beer with six or seven percent alcohol. Yes. Has a different taste than, you know, oh, yeah. all this stuff that I'm drinking. But it's I don't have any perspective anymore. But why? That's one thing they've really got. Like, why? And oh, I shouldn't say that because I just read an article on the process of dealcoholized beer. That's why it's expensive because yeah. it's more complicated to make than regular beer. <laughs> so, for, I mean, from that standpoint, I just look at it and I think, is this 3% killing me? I'm not going to go spend more no. money to save 3% on alcohol. It's just not something. It's not part of my thought process. Maybe and, one day it will be. And the habit, and that's what it is. If you have it three or four days a week at four o'clock in the afternoon, you look forward to that. You know, that's great. That's how, you know, that's a healthy I mean, here's what I would say. If you miss a day, you're not going to freak out. No, and a lot of those, uh, the alcohol, the good, the ones that sort of have a passable taste, they've got carbs and calories. That's another issue. But. Yeah, the one, I, I will say this mm-hmm. last, I, there was a, a thing I buy, it's called Groovy, G-R-U-V-I, and it's got, it's like a Swedish name with the two little dots over the mm-hmm. U. It's 60 calories. And it's kind of like a white wine spritzer. It's the closest oh, thing. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's the closest thing to wine that I have tasted that it actually doesn't doesn't taste horrible. And mm-hmm. that's what I drank during the holidays. Uh, anyways, uh, thanks again to everyone that uh, Humble and Fred people that sent me some nice notes. And a lot of people reach out on the private messages and tell me their story and so many people that listen to us are celebrating way bigger anniversaries. I got several people I could mention that are in their 20th year, their 30th year, and you just find out when you share this kind of thing that you're not the only one. And even if it's not you, it's somebody in your family you know, that's gone through some of this, and uh, I'm just happy to be on the other side of it. Let's uh, finish the show. Before we do, though, we got to talk about the retirement Sherpa. Yes, Tim Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund, like anyone else. He's you know, quite aware that the calendar is flipped, and with that comes some decisions and planning for the year ahead. And if you're in that situation and not quite uh, sure which way to go, give, you know, give him a call. Get in contact with him. RetirementSherpa.ca is... Uh, one way, Tim will always have time for you, whether it's to have a look, a second look at your portfolio or start something from scratch or just flat out uh, information on insurance and how that works in wealth building. All those things. He's the retirement Sherpa. He's Tim Niblett, retirementsherpa.ca. Electric Vehicle Network is dedicated to helping everyday Canadians make the switch to EVs. And they're excited to hear more about uh, what's going on in your life. If you have any questions about electric vehicles, be sure to reach out to the EV net. They'll be happy to help. They are dedicated to providing cost-effective options for Canadians to buy or rent high-quality pre-owned EVs and plug-in hybrids. Founded in 2018, they've been working hard to make electric vehicles accessible to all, and they believe that together... We can drastically reduce Canada's emissions. Visit the website or give them a call to learn more and start your journey to a greener future at evnet.ca. 
Howie, just a couple of things before we go. I wouldn't want any of the, uh, you know, Humble and Fred listeners to think we're oblivious to a, a hockey game that took place yesterday. And I only mention it. Uh, Canada beat Slovakia 4-3 in the quarterfinals of the World Junior Championship. The goal by Connor Bedard. He is the next one, so to speak. A Canadian hockey player that will be drafted and make a splash like Connor McDavid and I'm sorry, Austin what's his Matthews. Name? His name is uh, Connor Bedard. And where's he anyway, going? Well, we don't know yet. He's only 17. But last night, he scored the game-winning goal in overtime, and you just have to, to see it. Because, again, it's one of those special moments in hockey, let alone Canadian hockey. It was, it was uh, overtime, three-on-three, three, and he literally went through the whole team and scored a beauty goal. Nice. Again, I wouldn't want people to think we're sitting here not aware of such a thing, and it did happen. Yeah. And, and, and one other controversy over the weekend, I don't know if you heard about it, uh, Rolling Stone released their top 200 uh, best singers of all times, greatest singers of all time. And the controversy was, even in the United States, Celine Dion did not make the top 200. And that was like a huge issue. Like Bob Dylan is in the top 200. Um, You know, George Jones and a lot of these country twangers are in the top 200, but not Celine Dion. And this is is being looked at as a huge slight against um, our Canadian angel. Well, I'm going to look at this list. I, I, uh, I'm looking at it right now, and the first thing I see is number 200, Rosalia. <laughs> I, know, I have no idea. And there's a lot of those in there. And uh, number one, I'm going to give it away because screw them is Aretha Franklin. Uh, you know, you can't really argue with that. She could, she could belt one out. But my goodness, if, if Aretha Franklin is number one, how is Celine Dion not within 200? Here's uh, Polystyrene. At 195. That sounds like a product. <laughs> um, polystyrene. Yeah, hand me the polystyrene. Is, are, are there any uh, of the Canadian? You know what? Oh, Leonard Cohen's in there. McCartney and Lennon, of course, but back in the 30s and 40s. But like Alanis Morissette, uh, any of that you stuff? You know what? I don't know. I just I read about the controversy, and I was okay. just clicking through to see who number one was. And again, I'm not a huge Celine Dion fan, but my goodness, come on. Yeah, who as won? far as a singer Sing- goes, I mean, oh, come on. Marsha Wash is on there. No one, I don't know who she is. Oh, um, by the way, I did get around to, uh, I've been playing around with the uh, SiriusXM app now because mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I don't have it in the, the EVNet Tesla yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm just doing it on Bluetooth. I listened to the entire Springsteen uh, interview. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. He's just such a down-to-earth guy. Uh, I listened to that. I listened to some Conan. I listened to an interview with... Uh, yeah, the interviews are great. That's one of the things about the app that I haven't played around with as much as you have. Is I just favorited a bunch of episodes. So I don't have to put up with all the other stuff that I don't want, oh, I'm yeah. not interested in. It's just so easy to Bluetooth that. You know, you don't really need it in your radio. You just Bluetooth it through your phone. And again, the options through the app are like they have like an extra 200 channels yeah. of scoped music and stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and if you're a Stern fan like we are, but not really, I don't want to, I don't care about Ronnie the limo driver anymore and all that other stuff, but no. I do love the interviews. 
and he's the best at it. And because you got like that Springsteen thing was two hours long and, yeah. and Springsteen going in and out of tell, telling stories and then mm-hmm. playing on his guitar and piano was amazing. I mean, you could be of the mind. You have Bruce Springsteen in your studio for two hours. You better ask some good questions, you would think. Um, but it was it was very, very – and the whole Stern thing gets me, too, because you hear those interviews, and they're so fantastic. And then outside of that, you hear him talk, and you realize how unaware he is of what's going on in the world sometimes. It's like, yeah. how can that be? How can you not be aware of – so many obvious things, but hey, who can argue with the king of all media? Um, no, the Springsteen thing, the, the, the one mean. thing that I, um, and I was hoping Stern would ask and did about Streets of Philadelphia, because I always think that's fantastic. Somebody writes a movie or they're putting a movie together and they go to an artist and they say, listen, I need a song for this movie. And, you know, whether it's Live and Let Die or, you know, like Skyfall with... Adele with the James Bond thing. I mean, there's a million of them. And then when Springsteen told that story that he put it together and he just really wasn't that happy with it. And he went back to the guy and said, you better let Neil Young do this because this is all I have. Because the guy wanted a rock song. Right. For Philadelphia. And he said all he could feel was ultimately what Philadelphia was. And then he just gave it to him. And uh, it it's arguably his biggest song ever. Yeah. Like, sales wise. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He and, and I, uh, you know, I've always liked Bruce Springsteen. I don't know he's his biggest fan. I like some of his songs and such, but I really came away really liking the guy. Just such a normal dude. Sort of almost, not shy, but mm-hmm. very self-deprecating. Like he was sort of nervously laughing a lot, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting quality. Um, okay, so just quickly before we wrap it up. Uh, so Freddie is going to the Dominican Republic a couple weeks from now. Two weeks today. And that week, we've uh, decided rather than try and get you scrambling and get you all set up when you're there, uh, you're going to be with me, I think, on the Monday. You're going to yes. do the show. Mm-hmm. So that Monday, the 16th, Fred will be here. And then on the 17th, I've got uh, Larry Fedoric for a couple of days as our co-host, guest Fredding. Some great guests. we got Noel Kassler, Paul Romanuk. And then on the Thursday, the 19th, my guest Fred will be a guest Frederica. Maureen Holloway will be our co-host and uh, an interesting that day Maureen obviously got lots to say about the radio industry and of course we'll talk a lot about uh, Voldemort radio and I want to make a point on that when you're finished go ahead and just I'll finish by saying and our guest that day is scheduled another uh, radio dude that had a bit of controversy around him Ryan Doyle will be our guest from uh, formerly of News Talk 1010 what did you want to say well, I, w- I wanted to say this, that back in the early 2000s, uh, John Derringer struggled with substance abuse, uh, alcohol in particular, and yep. went to AA, and uh, he got his, uh, I don't know, his one-year badge or something, and Stuart Myers, our program director, came to you, not me, for whatever reason, I don't know, and said, Howard, would you go to this meeting when he receives this um, sort of uh, a accomplishment yeah. badge or whatever? Yep. And you went. I did. <laughs> and you went to support John Derringer oh, in that moment. Imagine. And and I can bear witness all he ever did was treat you like shit before and after that. So there you go. Another another story. Another, well, both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to his one year uh, AA 
medallion. And then uh, shortly after, he called both of us untrustworthy cocksuckers. Yeah. So fuck him again, <laughs> sideways. So that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. our schedule. We'll tell you more about it tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. As always, we appreciate you. And uh, stay strong, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, and GoDaddy. You can find your domain, easily create your website, and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your small business. Visit godaddy.ca to learn more. We read all our emails, Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Liking and subscribing helps keep this show going. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, it's 2023. 2022 had too many twos. Throw out that extra two. You won't need it until 2032. Enjoy every goddamn day. Jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans. Just clap your hands. Just clap your hands. Where's